Minnesota basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're here to talk some Timberwolves basketball. Now, since the last time we spoke last Monday, the club is one in three in the last four games. We did mention how, you know, we have to put on the table a potential that we won't go two and two and three and one because we've been used to these nice stretches, right? And one and three had to be put on the table. And sure enough, unfortunately, it happened. But, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of interesting how this stuff is all playing out. So we're going to kind of, you know, discuss and, and recap minorly anyway some some items from all those games. Obviously losing a very winnable game at Dallas. Um, and then Phoenix as well. That was at home, but that was a damn good game. And Phoenix just outdid us uh, uh, to close the game. It was nice to get that Dallas victory, especially the way we got it after almost doing it on the road. And then we just got a good old-fashioned beatdown, 134 to 112. Um, sometime in the third or in the second quarter, the game is just out of reach. She never came back. Um, we had some nice stats and stuff in the second half, but it was pretty much garbage time, unfortunately. So it is what it is. We'll talk about that. Then, you know, we'll look um, forward to Toronto, Denver, and Houston. Obviously, that Denver game, well, all these games are important. It'd be nice to win them all. But, you know. At Toronto is not going to be easy. At Denver, if we win that game, Toronto, man, that would be a big game for that sixth spot. And there's been some developments there as well with Steph Curry go down with the injury. So we're going to kind of discuss minorly anyway about, damn, you know, we've been talking about this sixth seed. It's tougher to get in the seventh seed because you got to you know, win your way in. But, man, the matchup. At, you know, two and seven and three and six, man, what do you do here? Sounds like a Minnesota thing to happen in sports, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk it through um, and just talk about, you know, D'Lo has been having some issues uh, with this three-point shot. Ant's having a little issues of late. Could it be because of, you know, the mental stuff about not trusting your knee all the way? The finishing, though, has been a little struggle. Overall, though, uh, and then <laughs> – Cats fall problems. You know, two weeks ago we mentioned it. We talked about it like, hey, let's just take a, a gander. And sure enough, it's reared its ugly face. So we're going to talk it all the way through here at the Living in Loser Bill podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and, 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 and rope a dope and download the show there or listen to the browser. Uh, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. You can find the Rope Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts, all sorts of places. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. Uh, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. Uh, if you go all the way to the premiere package, that gives you Showtime and HBO Max already included. That's direct TV stream. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Aaron. Um, so, you know, we did talk about how we got we to gotta realistically look at these four games in, in the one in three 
is something we got to put on the table now. We've been getting spoiled with these winning streaks and coming back, you know, talking about, well, we won all the games or we were four and one or, you know, that type of thing. Um, but it happened. We went one and three, all good, you know, um, teams, no doubt about it. Uh, but yeah, one and three, we knew we had to at least bring it to the table and here it is. Yeah, I mean, I got a little overconfident. I feel like, but at the same time, you're right. We're on a bit of a winning streak, and I thought that four and zero was possible. And we end up one and three. It's, you know, bittersweet. You could have had uh, maybe one of those games, possibly two, but I thought, you know, considering the competition, it, it wasn't all bad. You know, at least we got one out of it. We still got a little stretch here to go, like you said. So keep our heads up, but one and three is not great. And some of the problems you mentioned earlier with cat and, you know, and then the upside with, with the Steph Curry injury. So this will be all interesting stuff. We just don't really know, you know, the state of the squad at the moment. And, you know, I don't, I don't think reeling is a word you want to use because of the quality of competition, but you want to say, you know, you got to get at least another one of those games, Chris, two and two would have been a much better uh, pill to swallow. Yeah. You said it right there, two and two. We were talking about how that would have been great, and it damn near happened. I mean, if you go back to that Dallas game, it's tough because there was about probably five or six wide-open shots that was created, and they didn't knock them down. And a couple just, you know, when you have like a decent lead, which they did in that first game against Dallas, um on the road at that, it's, it's, you got to take the other team's going to make a run more than likely, especially when you're playing a top level team. And we just, we didn't take advantage of building enough cushion when we had the time to do it. There was a stretch where uh, Prince, who's been really great from three, uh, missed back to back corner threes, then missed what was a tough layup, then got an offensive fall. Um, And it's not just to bring up Prince and that's it. Uh, D'Lo, many other people just miss some open shots. And, you know, when you're playing a good team, like I said, they're going to take advantage of it. They're going to make a run. But to have that cushion, um, it sure would have helped. And I'll say this, they did come all the way back and actually get up with uh, right around three-something left, 103-100 after uh, Bev, Pat Bev had a steal and hit a three. But just down the stretch, um, you know, it just – they killed us. It was 103-100, and then it was 104-103 with back-to-back drive buckets at the end um, of the shot clock. It was even just back-breaking. Um, and, and it was just one of those things where the offensive rebounds and some of the missed threes, and it just just overall just couldn't quite close the gap. So, you know, when you look at games like that, you go, okay, you know, we, we played pretty damn well. It didn't play our best. We did not play our best and still had a chance to win that game. If you look at the fourth quarter of the Suns game, you know, it, it, it was right there. You know, makeable, and I hate to point out Prince, but make the Timberwolves in general, makeable back-to-back nights like that, makeable shots. And we were even, I'm not going to say fully in control of that Suns game, but we even had a little bit more of a cushion. And – we could have created, like I said, even more. But in that second half, uh, the offensive rebounds that we gave up and Booker just started going off on us, the big 
got off on as well, Aiden. Um, but, you know, the fourth quarter, they just they just closed us out. They were a team that made the finals. They're a better team even without Chris Paul than us right now and, and you know, for the foreseeable future anyway. But that's what – it's kind of a mixed blend. Like you said, it, it's, it's too, you know, too early to be like, oh, dude, the whole thing's coming apart. I am totally with you there. But at least we were right there toe-to-toe with them. We just couldn't get over the hump here. Yeah, I mean, I thought you nailed it right there with, like, you know, it's the quality of competition, and these teams are going to make runs, and specifically in that Phoenix game, you know, they made a run led by Booker, and, you know, they're going to be tough. They're going to come at you. Even Dallas was making runs, and I thought we could have had that first Dallas game, Chris, just like you, and um, that would have been, you know, swept of Dallas coming down the stretch, which would have been nice. We, you know, got them back a little bit later, but, you know, the Phoenix game was a little bit telling, but it wasn't, you know, a blowout or anything. We just kind of got smacked in the face and couldn't come back, which is what we got used to seeing for years with the Timberwolves, and we just kind of get over the hump there. I think that there's finishing issues with the squad against better teams, uh, but, I mean, I think that's a learning curve, wouldn't you say, where you you got to learn to keep battling through whatever they give you. And, uh, you know, there's some bad fouls, you're right, and uh, some bad defense, but – this is where it's at now. You're not bottom dweller anymore. Now you're fighting for a playoff position, and this is something that you have to to get uh, down. Now, are you going to win all these games? Absolutely not. But you're going to be in them, and you're going to deal with runs, and that's something you just have to learn to do. And I think they are, but, you know, we have to give them a little bit of space and time to, as I said, get on that learning curve, and hopefully it's not a – you know, maybe it's a quick curve and not a, a long curve here where they can kind of figure out how to punch back when they get punched. Yeah, no doubt about it. And some of that goes on adding that cushion when it's your time to make the run. Some of it is, like you said, just, you know, closing games no matter what's going on. And, and like you said, taking away certain things, you know, all those teams that we played, Dallas, Boston, Phoenix, Obviously, Dallas, again, they're all top tier. That's three out of the top four clubs or five clubs in the league on defense. And they were taking away Cat as far as driving way more than we've seen. And it's one thing to try to take it away if you're any team in the league. But if you're trying to take something away and you're a great defense team, odds are you're going to be able to take it away. So that was part of it. They've done a little of that to Ant, too, saying, hey, we're not going to let you drive as much. Uh, you're going to have to do something else. And something else is, especially when it comes to Ant or Cat, is hit knocking down those shots just in general. But Cat's been wonderful pretty much the whole season. We've seen, uh, you know, so many different offense, defense, you know, him going faster right away, going quicker uh, when the double team comes before it could even get set. Clearly against the quality teams when they try to do that, um, have a guy lingering right behind the guy. So it's basically a double team for the drive. You know, I think he's just going to make that adjustment and just shoot and just shoot right there uh, at times, not every time, but at times. But I say all that to get to the foul stuff too, because if you look at that first Dallas game, nine minute mark in the third quarter, four falls. If you look at the Phoenix game, uh, six minutes left in the third quarter, four falls, then picked up his fifth like a minute or so, um, oh, no, probably three minutes into that quarter um, when you had just sat out the rest of that time in the fourth quarter. And even then that Dallas game, he picked up the fourth early in the third again 
but it didn't matter because at that point the whole team just went nuts and that their quarter basically won the game and they really never got back into it. But, you know, these foul problems, man, you hate to say it, you hate to, you know, like I mentioned, nitpick or anything like that, but it is beyond nitpicking. And these are the quality teams and we can't, we're not going to get lucky like we did against Dallas. I mean, we played really well in that game and hit shots and we blew them out, but it's just, you know, three out of these last four. And so it adds up to like, I don't know, nine out of the last 11 or something. He's been picking up a fourth fall early in the third quarter. Yeah. I mean, Chris, I mean, that's really where I'm focused on right now with the squad is like, look, through recorded NBA history, if you've got a big man with, scoring potential they're going to attack and try to get him out of the game with fouls and so far that's been uh, overly successful for the opponents and I think that's something that has to be addressed now the other side of that is with Russell's scoring problems so to say uh you know he's that third piece so if they got and shut down and they they found a way to get Carl in in some foul trouble or he's just having an off night that's where you got to get the scoring from Russell and it's unfortunate that his shot's not falling the way it has, but I think that'll come back around. But back to Cat again is, you know, this is not rocket science here. If I was coaching against the Timberwolves, I'd say, you know, let's get Cat in foul trouble and see what happens to him. And, and that's what's been happening. they got to find a way to get through that. Now, is that Cat playing better with fouls, you know, uh, or is that not getting the fouls? It's hard to say. He's going to get the fouls, I think, until he finds a way to uh, – play defense without fouling or to learn how to play with them. I, I just don't – it's it's a, a double-edged sword here. You know, what do you do? You've got a 30-point scoring big man. He's the centerpiece of your offense. Uh, teams are going at him, uh, driving to him. He's picking up some – you know, like some I, I won't say tic-tac fouls. I'm not going to – I haven't been screaming at the refs too much lately, but uh, he's got to learn like Ewing had to learn, like, you know, Olajuwon, those guys had to learn, one, not to foul, and two, how to play with fouls. And that's something, you know, hasn't been as important uh, because the team hasn't been in contention. But now that they are in contention, this is something you're going to see repeatedly until they get it fixed. And, and uh, do I have the magic bullet to fix it? I don't think I do. But uh, it has to be some combination of, of learning to play uh, defense, maybe another defense – Defensive big man is another option, and learning to play with fouls. you got to know if you've got four fouls in the beginning of the third quarter, you've got to know how to avoid getting that fifth. And I, I just don't know if he's quite there yet. I think he'll get there, but I just don't know if he's quite there yet. Yeah, and, and you know, you're always going to get some mediocre calls, right, or, bad, or just straight-up bad calls. But it goes both ways because there's plenty of times where, you know, the calls go the other way with, with them too, and – it's not necessarily the calls per se, although some nights it is, but it's what he does after, right? It's, it's okay, that was a bullshit call, but what are you going to do? Get mad and go follow someone? Go right away and follow someone? No, you're not, you know, and that, or you are actually, but you shouldn't, you know, that's where you have to back to that focus of, all right, dude, that should happen. Get over it. Take it out on the court in a positive way instead of going and grab a wrist. And then going, what the hell? You didn't call it over there. Yeah, but dude, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? We we need you on the court, period, point blank. Um, but it's, let's get into D-Lo because we talked about, um, you know, Ant 
uh, some of his scoring or shooting woes, it's really adding up from three-point line. Uh, and just like we talked about Ant last week, how defensively he's doing good things, he's playmaking, he's doing other things. So it's not like he's playing bad. Delos definitely doing a solid stuff on both ends of the ball, but the three-point shooting of late, if you look at the last ten games, it's bad. It's been bad. Um, and we know Delos a volume shooter, and – so sometimes during a streaky game, he could just shoot his way out of it. But being the third option on this team, you know, when it comes to just shooting the amount of shots anyway, it it, it does, you know, I, I you could see it early in the season, the first maybe month or two, where he's still trying to find his groove. Then he found it for about a month and a half, two months, and the numbers started going up, and he was playing shooting great. Um, and they're still coming out on him when he shoots, you know, because of his track record. But you do need to knock those down. And, you know, if you look at it, um, not all that long ago, it was 19.2, his scoring average. And this shooting drought, which is mostly what it is, because from two, he's doing okay for what he normally does. It's down to 18, so that's a point and a half. Um, and that's something that we noticed with Ant as well, where it's like, hmm. But, his, but him with D'Lo, it's three-point shooting. He's just having struggles with it. And, you know, some of those stats you can look at with both him and Ant, where you're like, well, some of these games they didn't get back in the fourth quarter. They could have went, you know, three of five, you know, in that quarter, but they didn't even play in it. So you look at the minutes, you say, yeah, some of that is that, and, and some of that is the per-game average going down in the shooting or whatever. But a good chunk of it is just not knocking it down. So we do need D'Lo to hit his shots, and uh, when they're there, and some of them have been in the moments that we're talking about where that type of stuff is when you got to make your run. And D'Lo is a big part of this team. And like I said, the assists have been there during that time. The assists are, are higher than his season average. And that's fine. And maybe that's the volume shooting and the fact that we're asking him to be not 100% a pure point guard, but the most point guard he's ever played in his, in his career. So I think, that this is kind of a transition year in that, and I think we've seen the ups and downs of that. But either way, it's got to improve. I think you're right. I also think that um, the transition of, of being more of a facilitating point guard and not just a, a volume shooter, so to say, is 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 a big. But you know, like I mentioned earlier, there are times when we're going to need the volume shooting, and you've got to hit your shots. Now you're right, offensively. You know, as far as assists and, you know, getting the team in and out of the defense and, you know, hitting mid-range shots and uh, getting to the hoop, uh, he's been pretty good. But the three-point shot is, you know, it's, you got to have that in the arsenal. And if, if you're not, you know, and usually his shot's so pure, it has been for a couple of months. And, you know, so it's hard to see it not drop. Um, but I, I think he'll get it back. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a golf swing, you know. It's going to, there's a hitch, there's a hitch, and you got to work it out. And, I'm sure he's working on it, but you know, if he needs to, we had to have that third prong, particularly when it's, you know, the the upper echelon defensive teams that you're playing coming down yes. the stretch, you're going to learn a lot about yourself offensively going up against these guys. And I think not only is it the raise, the rise in the level of defense that's causing a little bit of offensive sputtering, but also, you know, I'm not going to say that there's pressure on him, but you're coming down the stretch, you're trying to hold that six seed, uh, this is not a position this team has been in ever. So, you know, we got to also, I'm not trying to make excuses. That's just a reality check. That's how it is. And 
Like you got to feel your way through these things and that kind of waiting all season to get to this point to kind of see how it would go down, Chris. Like, you know, what does this team need? Where are we at? That type of thing. And when you face a Phoenix and you face a Dallas and you face uh, Boston, who's just a, an aggressive team defensively, you've got to know what you have and what you don't. And I think we're getting to see that now. Yeah, in that the last six games, Boston has been up by 20. I think they've won by 20 points or whatever. And so we added to that. That was just, like I said, rough. Basically, sometime, I don't even know, a handful of minutes in the second quarter, it was it was over. Um, and, you know, we talked, we mentioned Ant last week, D'Lo this week. That does go back to Cat, though, because then all of a sudden they can cover up on those guys more, too. You know what I mean? So we don't want to blame those guys just in general. But Ant, the last chunk of games now, it, for, for the most part, is his three-pointers coming back. His shooting's coming back, and, and some of that is just whatever it was—a a little, a, a, well, not little, but like a, a stretch of just poor shooting, whatever. Because, like I said, he's also improved in his playmaking. Saying, "All right, this is in my night. I'm going to play make." And defensively, he's been uh, better than I think most of us thought he could be at this point. Watching him last year, but the finishing at the rim has been an issue. Literally, about anywhere from three to five times in the game, the last. Maybe I don't know six to eight games he hasn't been finishing, and they even talked to they talked to him about it post presser. I think two games ago they talked to uh, uh, Finch. Even said you know it's been multiple games now, and he says you know a couple of those it looked like he could dunk. He could have just dunked it instead of trying to go on the other side and make some really fancy layup. I wonder, especially when it comes to finishing at the rim and, and that explosion. Does he mentally trust his knee? He says he's healthy. In one of those games, I think it was against Dallas, he said that he was he was winded, basically fatigued at that time, and that's why he chose a layup instead. I wonder if there's something, you know, because when you have a little injury, even if it, he didn't have surgery or anything like that, but I wonder if it's something mentally where he's not 100% trusting his knee to explode because we know he could explode. He's shown it multiple times. You think some of that's mentally here that he's just got to get over, um, you know, and, and finish? Cause we know he's a great finisher. I think it might be. Uh, I also think like, do we know what the knee injury was? Perhaps he's on a, you know, the speculating of course, but maybe he's on like a, well, you know what it was. What was it? It was, I, I can't pronounce the guy. Okay. Well, I thought it's, maybe... a, it's a form of tendonitis, but it's not. Oh, tendonitis. Okay. All right. It's well, jumper's knee is what it is. And it needs uh, rest, basically. All right. Yeah, I mean, it could be a trust issue with the injury. I think that's a, a possible thing. You know, I, I was hoping that he was on like a partial tear and he knows it and nobody else knows it and he, he doesn't want to push it and to make it a full tear of an MCL or an ACL or anything like that, knock on wood. Um, but that's where I think you'd get into like trusting stuff. I don't really know, Chris. I mean, his finishing has always been one of his stronger points. I mean, amazing finisher at times. So uh, I just you – know, He's a kid that'll dunk when he when he can, so I'm not too worried about that. So I I don't know what to what to put that on. Um, I think he might have nailed it. I just don't know. Uh, you know, he could just be trying to ramp up his uh his conditioning too. I mean, that's a thing. He's out for a while, and maybe he's not in as fit as he was. Um, but yeah, that needs to improve. Uh, because he's a great finisher, so I'm not worried about he's creative, he's, you know, artful when he goes to finish, so it's not like he can't finish, it's just, you know, maybe maybe he's pulled back a little bit on, on what he wants to do, but 
we need him to do that. It's a big, you know, component of our offense, and uh, and he's so fun to watch do it. So, um, you know, he hasn't took off for any big dunks. He has like in transition, but I haven't seen him go up and, and face anybody yet. So, um, I think maybe it's con- a little bit of both, Chris. Maybe conditioning, maybe a little bit of not trusting your knee, and and uh, I think that's about it. But I mean, I'm not. I'm not worried about him too much at this point, as long as you start to see it incrementally uh, get better. And I don't know if I haven't been watching close enough to him to see if it's incrementally getting better, but um, I've seen some good finishes and I've seen some where you're like, well, that was a bunny. You can make that. And, and I don't know if he um, feels confident at it. And you'd hate to see some kind of uh, lingering doubt go into his head, especially this time of the season. Yeah, like you said, I'm not worried about it. It's just something that we're kind of talking about. Hopefully, um, there uh, there's Malik Beasley with an injury to his uh, left ankle, a lateral ankle sprain with some swelling. Uh, it's not, you know, it seems like the major injury was avoided, um, but it is going to take some time to get back, whether it's, you know, just a high ankle sprain and whatnot. Um, obviously he's been on such a run. Sure. He started the first two months. Like, what are you doing? But he's been on a hell of a run, especially off that bench. And even when we've had some people miss time, he's been key, uh, starting as well when Ant missed time and whatnot too. So, um, you know, we have to kind of put that in the back of the head. Obviously McDaniels, we're still waiting for him to come back. Hopefully he can come back soon. I think it's some of these, uh, games where we play these top-level guys, McDaniels have been missed defensively, and also now Beasley will be uh, missed offensively for the time, especially those three-point shooters that, you know, stretch the floor for everybody. All right, three road games starting Wednesday. It's nice we got a little Monday-Tuesday break, two days off in a row, at Toronto, at Denver, and at Houston. That Houston game Sunday night, so that'll be three games before next Monday when we speak again. Here on the podcast, what do you think here, man? Three and zero, zero and three, one and two, two. What are your thoughts? Because the Beasley thing kind of sticks with me a little bit. Luckily, we have Noel, though. You know, who's maybe not the shooter he is, but he's definitely the scorer. Uh, Beasley is. What are your thoughts here going uh, on this three-game road stretch? Which, like we said, is very key. If we get that Toronto, you know, we said this multiple times, right? <laughs> if you get that first game. That first mm-hmm. road game, it really opens up everything. And damn, if we weren't right with that Dallas game, right? Last time, it's like, man, if they would have got that, it just, it really levels you out. We would have went two and two. Um, but that, if you get that Toronto game, boom, on Friday at Denver, which that could be such a key game. What are your thoughts on this three game road trip? Well, I mean, I like the game against Houston. I don't know what I think about the Toronto and Denver situations. Denver's always been pesky for us. Um, and, you know, Jokic, I see foul trouble for Cat. Um, Toronto, also tricky just because they're a good squad. And, and, uh, these are three road games. So that it puts that into the equation too. I like it probably, you know, one and two here, Chris, I, with a possible uh, two and one hinging on the Denver game. I think we'll lose to Toronto. I think that we can fight against Denver, but they're pesky, and I just don't know. They have a, a weird knack of beating us, and uh, and Houston, I think, will take that one. But, um, so, you know, obviously, I'm not going on a limb here to say 
uh, one and two or two and one, but uh, I really think it's probably looking more like uh, one and two. Yeah, right now with Denver, we are up two to one on them in the in the series, but they they do have a knack to win tight games. They they a couple times here they've been down big in a game, came back, and that would have been like oh we would have moved up on them by half a game and all that, and, and they just found a way. Coaching Jokic, they got a system in place the last chunk of years. Uh, they're missing, you know, their their second best player the whole year, and that's why a lot of people think, you know, that he should be MVP because you know of where they're still at. No, they're not a top four seed, but considering they don't have one of their key guys, that says a lot <laughs> about them. So one and two kind of feel, kind of feels like it's going to happen, but that goes with that. If they beat Toronto, I, I have I have a lot of confidence that they'll go three and zero. Um, so I'm right there with you. Um, speaking of this whole, you know, Denver's coming up and whatnot, and if we beat Toronto, all of a sudden the Denver game, it's tight. It's a it's a game where you can get a full game on them, uh, catching up or just passing them barely. All of a sudden, here we go. Curry is hurt somewhat minorly. He's not for sure out for the season or anything like that. But Memphis is going to get the second seed. There's just no doubt about it. And, of course, it's that catch-22, right? You know, we match up better with Memphis, but if Curry comes back and it sounds like he's going to return and they do have Draymond back now and he's going to get some rust off from being out like at least 30 games, um, if they nestle in that third spot, all that, you know, that sixth spot that we wanted so bad, um, all of a sudden it matches up three against six and more than likely Golden State, or I guess you could still put Utah. I mean, I guess you could say Dallas too. They have a chance at it. Um, but, but, or you go the route where you probably, well, you do probably have a better chance of beating Memphis in a, a seven game series than you do with Curry back with Golden State. But the catch 22 is you got to win that first game at home against the Clippers, who we don't match up great with. And by the way, Paul George is back practicing for a while now. He's playing five on five. It sounds like he's going to return just in time for the Clippers. So that's that catch 22, Aaron. It just, it lines up to be a Minnesota sports team right on the button, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Everybody comes back to play us. That's just how it was. Even in the uh, Purple People Leader <laughs> podcast, we have the same issue with yeah. teams. Somebody's been out for six weeks and all of a sudden right in time to play us. Um Look, I don't want to see a healthy Golden State squad. It just, it just doesn't. They have so much playoff experience and uh, years of, of you know, knowing how to work refs in the playoffs and all this stuff. We're just new to it altogether. Uh, I don't like that matchup. And Memphis, you know, I don't love either. Chris, they're a gritty defensive team, um, you know, with some good players. Uh, it's a you know, might say we match up better, but I just don't see, you know, Pat Bev helps us out a lot and maybe he can, you know, uh, crank up the, uh, aggressiveness of this squad, but they're just not quite there to match a Boston or a, or a Memphis in a, in a series. So I, I'm thinking, you know, which of those, which sides of that sword would you like to face? I guess if you feel like you don't match up well with either of them, I'd rather face the better team and learn. Uh, so I think I'd rather see Golden State in that position. Um, and maybe you steal a couple, you learn what you need to do 
in the playoffs from a savvy veteran club as opposed to Memphis. I'm not saying they're up and comers, but they're kind of up and comers. Oh, they are. They might not know the ins and outs of playoff basketball. So they wouldn't really set an example for me to, for you to really look at. Whereas Golden State would give you something to say, Oh, you know, I see how that goes. I understand that. And maybe that's a plus uh, for future seasons. Yeah, I just look at who we match up better with. If you look at this year, we're two and two with them, and one of them we blew a huge lead. Um, I would rather play Memphis in a seven game series, best of I should say. Um, it's you're going to learn a lot anyway. Getting to the second round, the confidence level you'd have, you know, it's kind of like in boxing. Your first time you win a championship, they say percentage wise. It's like you always knew you could do it, but once you get there, you automatically almost every time become a tad bit better of a fighter because, you know, sports is so mental. And to get to have a better chance to get to the second round or even just deep in a six or seven game part of that series, I think that would pay off just as well. And they're one of the best defensive teams. I think we could still get a lot out of them, although I see what your point is. And Um, also on the flip side of that, Chris, we have played nothing short of outstanding against Golden State in most of our matchups with them. Have we won them all? No, but I think we're at least one half of them. We always play well when we go to their place, and we play them well with Curry and without here. So I think the track record of playing Golden State, uh, I think we match up pretty well, if if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, if we go back a few years where we beat them in a year where they were awesome and stuff like that, but it's, you know, it's not necessarily the, the same team, obviously. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we have split with them as well, but, you know, a couple of, you know, one of the, the last game we beat them, they didn't have Curry or Draymond. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think we match up better. Well, I think it's, I think they're just a better team than Memphis. Uh, you know, like you said, experience, uh, the actual matchup. Not to say that I think we get swept by Golden State. I think we can compete with them. But to your point, no doubt about it. But I would definitely rather match up with Memphis. But like I said, that comes with the, the catch twenty two because all of a sudden, well, that means you have to win the first game, and mm-hmm. then if you get to the second game, you got to win that one, and then you're going against the Suns <laughs> with yeah. Chris Paul. So you're like, well, either way. So that would be even more to your point of learning, or just the same thing with Golden State, because, you know, we would learn a lot even if we got swept. I think we'd win one of those games, to be honest with you, because mm. most of those games we've been in, we just lost to them, because Chris Paul usually, or, or, or one of their guards usually say, okay, it's time, we're taking over, and obviously the big went off in this last game, eight, and just went off on us, and some of that was cat on the bench, some of that is the lack of size in general. Uh, matchup-wise, I think that's one of the keys is, would you rather have Draymond or some of these other guys that can match up, you know, with Cat? Or would you rather have, you know, I'm not sure, you know, either way we're going to get out offensive rebound. And yeah. that's one of the arguments against Memphis, you could say, is they, they really, that last game we beat them, but they all, they set like, a, I think it was 27 or 28 offensive rebounds. It's the most of anyone this season. So either way, you know, um, it is what it is. But yeah, it def, it's starting to play out. Like we're going to be in the playing game, uh, I guess, bottom line. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, we go back to the early 2000s and the Garnett teams. I mean, we always drew the Spurs. It was just always the Spurs. Or the Lakers. Or Or the Lakers. Lakers. But, you know, I guess 
when you get to playoff time, Chris, there's not going to be a, a favorable matchup, so to speak. I mean, there's it's going to be, you know, splitting hairs either way with different squads. And and I guess, you know, obviously you know, I do stand on the point I made and that you, uh, you also uh, doubled down on was that it's the experience factor of Golden State that's the problem. You know, it's not let – I mean, we're just rookies when it comes to uh, playoff uh, basketball, and these guys have championships and – and years of experience and playoff basketball is, is different than regular season uh, NBA. Then yeah, I'm not going to even have that argument. It's, it's, it's definitely different and you need to be experienced in it. Now, Memphis, like you said, my fear about Memphis is not just the offensive rebounding, but it's, they've just been gritty and it just seems like, in correct me if I'm wrong and I know you will, but we have problems with true gritty teams at still to this point. And, uh, as big a problems as we had last year, no, but we still, I'm not going to say we're soft or anything like that. Cause I think it's improving, but we're not, I wouldn't call us gritty quite yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I just, you know, I it just off, it's basically, basically off this year, you know, how, how the game's gone and we've had a, I think they said we've had a, a, a no, maybe it wasn't 20 point in that one game but we in one of the we're two and two in one of the games we did have a 20 point I don't think we had one in the other one but it went overtime so it's like either way we're screwed on offensive rebound I just I just think that I think that that's the best shot we have of winning a series Mm. uh, is against Memphis doesn't mean we will but if it's Phoenix or if it's Golden State I'm gonna pick Memphis because you know uh, to get that other experience we can get that in the second round. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll get that in the second round. Let's get, let's get, you know, I just think it can really fire up your fan base if you got a better chance to win. And not only that, but maybe, you know, someone taking a little less money as a veteran to come here and think he can be a difference maker as a, a defensive uh, rebounder in the, in a block, you know, shot blocker and whatnot. But um, we'll see. We will see. We'll be back next Monday. Any last words there, sir? Uh, no, no. All right. We'll be back next Monday. Let's hope we can go. Well, let's hope we can go three and zero. but it does. I got to admit, it does kind of look like we're locked into that seventh spot. Like it or not. All right. We'll be back next week. Peace. I came from a low income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.